Blog Talk Radio. Why, hello there. Welcome to Carl's Cavern. I'll be your server tonight. As you peruse our fine beer and cheese menu, you will be hearing the owner of this fine establishment, Mr. Carl Kafer, as he gives you his wisdom and thought on whatever subject strikes him as important during the moment. So please, order your cheese and get ready for some enlightening conversation. Thank you very much for coming to Carl's Cavern. And always remember, cheese is the way of life. And here he is, coming up on the stage right now, the one, the only, our host, Carl David, I always chuckle at that. That's so much fun. I'm so thank you for for uh, for putting that together. Uh, greetings, everyone. This is uh, Carl from Carl's Cavern, and of course, Stephen Ronquillo is with me. Say hello, Stephen. Pick up on table. Pick up for table floor border. Pizza. Oh, sorry. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so tonight. We're going to be watching uh, one of my favorite films, and that would be uh, The Limey with Terrence Stamp and, and with so many other great people in this. Um, so, Stephen, uh, what's your quick thoughts on, on the film? Anything you want to share before we start? Yes, when the DVD came out, the cast commentary with Terrence Stamp, uh, Peter Fonda, and... Soderbergh. Leslie Ann Warren, I think. Yeah, and Leslie Ann Warren and Soderbergh, he edited it in a very bizarre way. And it led to a lot of DVDs being returned when it first came out because people were like, this fucking thing is broke. No, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) And the other DVD is great, too, because it has him and the writer, Lou Dobbs, fighting with each other. Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 one is the one to really listen to. Him and Dobbs. And actually, if you've got the uh, uh, Criterion Channel, which is what we're watching this on, uh, they have the commentary by Lem Dobbs and, and Steven Soderbergh. And you should definitely listen to it. Uh, no question. No question. So one thing about this film I want to just touch on, and I'll I'll get you to start first, Stephen, is. This is a memory film. What what do you take from that? Oh, yeah, it does. This and The Underneath were two of Soderbergh's experimental films. And that's always one of the most interesting things about Soderbergh is he would do a film for the money, Ocean's Eleven. Then he would do a weird little film experimenting with cameras, montage, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does here. And and I have to bring something up very briefly. I don't mean to, to get you into film 101 here, but when we talk about a memory film, uh, it's done by editing. Another word for editing is montage. There is a theory called the Soviet montage or Russian montage, where 
you put scenes on top of each other that are not in sequential order, therefore getting getting you to get into the mind of the main character. And that's what you'll see throughout this film. You'll see, you know, a film where he's meeting someone and then before that and then after that, and it'll jump all around. And so it gets you into the mind of the Terrence Stamp character. And that's where you are throughout the whole film is you're in his mind. So I want to just keep that, let you guys know that before we start. Go ahead, Steve. And the movie is set in the late, well, the two main characters, the antagonist and protagonist, are stuck in the late 60s. And with that, you've seen all sorts of experimental montage like uh, with Ken Loach and his bare bones visuals, uh, Blow Up, Easy Rider, exactly. uh, The Trip. The late 60s when really the rules of visual filmmaking were broken. Right. But so anyway, we're going to be starting here momentarily. um, And uh, I'm sure one of the first things that we'll talk about is the soundtrack. uh, Because it is a killer soundtrack. And and you want to listen to the songs as they're playing because it will give you more information. Okay, so just want to keep you in mind. So why don't you give us a countdown, Stephen? And we're right at the Artisan Entertainment. Yeah. Five, four, three, two, one, and go. There we go. Very important line, people. Very important. And that could refer to what he says at the end of the movie and what we are saying to the Limey himself and Soderbergh. Yep. And here we are with the Who the Seeker. And I just noticed this. Did you notice he's wearing his uh, prison suit? Yep. I'm being literal. No, that is his prison suit. That, that's the one he comes out of. And look, he's looking at the cops. Oh, yeah. You know, and again, it gives you a really good, good feel towards it, towards him. Yeah. What kind of character he is. And he's got a suitcase from the late 60s, too, which is very important. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And again, I can't say enough about, about Terrence Stamp. As you go through this film... He's just amazing. Why he wasn't up for an award for this, I'll never forget him. I'll never know. He should have won for his other big role in the 90s, damn it. Which one is that? Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, yeah. Actually, he I think he, he was up for a BAFTA for that. Yeah. Which is the British one. 
<laughs> I love that joke. Edward Rowe and Wando Loren. <laughs> yep. There's another flash forward, flashback. Flash middle, flash back, flashback, yeah, flashback. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's all through this. So this is how he's thinking, and you'll see yeah. shots of him in the uh, in the uh, uh, taxi. And 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 another thing is to focus in on the looks. Mm, yeah. The looks. Seriously. There's so many flashes in just that sequence right there. It's like being at a pervert convention. (laughs) (laughs) What I love is Soderbergh does not give a shit if you follow it. No, he doesn't. He doesn't because he'll give you enough information as the time goes along, and 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 that's that's the main thing here. He he does give you the now information. You the just story. Have to, you you have to put it together. Yeah. And there was Louise Guzman in his second Soderbergh role. Yeah, Louise was a really good friend of mine. I got to meet him. Through another friend of mine who was in uh, uh, Day of the Dead, and that's Ralph Morrell, and we used to play poker yeah. together. And and I got to meet him uh, at least three, four times, and he was a lot of fun, man. He he was great to to be around. Just a, a, a great guy. Seriously. And I love how uh, Terrence Snap, who's Irish, is putting on a Cockney accent, but he's trying to hide the Cockney accent. That's why he's talking so funny. Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, he makes choices here that really is is is, is are special, and you'll get to see more and more of that as we get along. But the other thing is to really look at his eyes throughout this. It's his eyes and the stares at, that people do that that are pretty amazing. And they, I love the little hint they get, like, how he knew what his tattoos meant, just like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And I love that's how they bond, those two. The fact that he's like, they're both ex-cons. There's a lot here. One of the things that I love about Louise portrayal here, he plays him real. 
Uh, in fact, there was a, uh, an interview uh, later, much later after this film was done, where he said this was the one role where he felt that his Hispanic heritage, his Latino heritage, was correct. And he felt like he was playing a real person and not somebody idealized version of it. Dog's homage right there. Pardon? Did you just catch the Reservoir Dogs homage right there? No, no. Why don't you go ahead and tell Of Terrence Stamp walking across the brick wall, that's the same as... Yes, 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 I have caught that before. Now that I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. And I love how casual he gave one thing, but then he focused on the big thing. And I love it that right. he's buying it from little kids. Yeah. Look, there it is. And again. that whole scene that whole scene, take a look at how that transpires. Take a look at the looks and what's given him because that gives you more uh, uh a better idea of something that's gonna happen later. Yeah. I love the sad look and the determined look and And if you watch any of uh, Soderbergh's noir trilogy, as I've named it, and a lot of film mm-hmm. fans have, you're going to get some good film watching. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, by the way, check your messages. So, uh, okay. But but one of the things about this is that how this transpires and and, and – Take a look at what happens and, and how things work out for Stamp and the final realization. That's what this movie is all about. It's, uh, Carl, it's, my it's about, hearing's uh, bad, so I'm going to have to turn my TV up too loud. Tell me when it's too so loud that you can hear it. I'm sorry. Okay, thanks. No, you're good. Still can't hear it. And right now we're right where he's at the factory. And I'll oh, tell man. you, this sort scene. Of, yeah. This scene is actually awesome. Go ahead, Carl, Steve. I didn't notice something that turns out to be very important. Okay, talk to me. All I see noticed was the big ass gun. Mhm. Right, and that's why I say take a look at what happens when he buys the guns from the kids. Yeah. Because that has a direct influence on this next scene. Yeah. Right now he's walking into the warehouse and this plays out like you're Typical noir scene of, uh, you know, he's in too deep. You know. Right. Now most noirs like, course, oh, my God, he's in too deep. He doesn't know what he's messing with. Oh, oh, yeah, right. But the one thing is you get a precursor of this. When 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 uh, uh, Eduardo is talking about Jenny, 
and how she goes eye to eye. Now, if she goes eye to eye with these guys, you damn well better be certain. So does her father. And I love this guy. He's got a great performance, doesn't he? The guy who... Yeah. Just fuck off. You know, of course, we're also coming up on one of the iconic lines of the whole film. One of the... the no, the iconic line in this movie. Now, I just love how casually he just takes that address. Just do 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 Yep. And right here he's getting beat up. You're like, oh, God, he doesn't, you know, oh, God, they've got his gun. He's so fucked. <laughs> right. Yeah, come on back, Pops. Come on back. Yeah, right. He will. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And sorry, guys, we're waiting for something here. If you, I just love much, it. I mean, happens, just like that look on his face like a mad dog, just like, yeah, just waiting to be let off the collar. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Done to her. And the fact that he just doesn't whip out that little gun right now is shows the fucking steely determination of the Wilson character. But you look in his eyes, he's like, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, you can tell, I can take his ass whipping like a man. Well, he he broke his ball. You know, you think, the thing about him is, is there's so there much. There is. He's throwing him out the fucking door, kicking yep. the shit out of him. You know. And as I said, you come back. You come back. Oh, we're quaking. We're we're quaking. Fucko. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're quaking, we're quaking. Big ass gun. <laughs> now, this is a choice that's really interesting. Why don't you talk about this when this happens, Steve? Oh, you mean where he's just, he just stands there. And then all of a sudden, he pulls out this little ass gun, and they don't. Show it. No. We're waiting outside because no. we know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, you know what's going to happen. What the fuck? They bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. And the camera's shaking too. Like, come on, man. Come on. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's like the camera is at Largo. Yeah, and here is one of the be- the most quoted lines from this movie. 
Yeah. And I noticed almost every scene with Barry Newman in it. If you look in the background, you can see what they call it when you can see so far into the foreground that it just disappears. Well, that would be called a vanishing point. Point. And, of course, that's something that... uh, uh, that was the name of a movie that Barry Newman was was a star in, a very famous movie. I love that. He said, tell him I'm coming. No, tell him I'm coming. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that cracks me up. Only Soderbergh would think of using at that a literal vanishing point as a tribute to the star of vanishing point. Well, I, I tell you what, I don't know if, 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 if he would be the only one to do it, but he was certainly the first one to do it. Yeah. And again, another flash, another flashbacks. A lot of people well, had troubles with this movie because it is so, so nonlinear. Well, you know, that, there's a reason for that. And, and and this, as much as this is an action film or what we like to call a noir, I said it at the beginning. This is a memory film. This is a film about what goes on and Terrence Stamp head, how he puts all this together after it's all been done. You know, and 90% of it is from that perspective. Now, there are certain things like the scenes with uh, uh, Barry Newman and Peter Fonda and, and later with uh, Joe D'Alessandro and Nikki Cat that aren't really from his perspective. But nonetheless, it's still yeah. how he would remember it or how he would try to piece everything together. And now we got and, Leslie and so, Ann Warren's character introduced in the film as this lonely old woman buying groceries. And also, of course, the the uh, uh, the uh, drama teacher and one-time soap actress. And the one thing about it is, I love that scene where we just passed it, where 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 did you meet Jenny? He talks to Eduardo. Oh, an acting class, and he gives her this look like, what? Yeah. And what I love is that people complained that there was no point of view in this movie. Remember, okay. a lot of reviews complained there wasn't no point of view, right? Uh, well, if anyone said that to me, I would look at them like you're fucking out of your mind. Uh, but th- go ahead. <laughs> now, I want to bring up whose point of view it is by telling this little story from an interview with Bill Duke from Shock Cinema. There was this shot where he was filming a film with Sam Fuller where Fuller was shooting the camera from under the table. And Bill Duke walked up to him and said, uh, excuse me, where is the point of view? I've always learned that you're supposed to shoot from the point of view. And Fuller looked at him and said, it's my fucking point of view. (laughs) So everything from this movie is from Soderbergh's fucking point of view. Well, well, let me put it this way. I, uh, I would disagree with that to a certain degree because really Soderbergh is representing Terrence Stamp. This whole film is right. Terrence Stamp. Okay? 
So yeah, as a director, he makes choices to exempl- to, to 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 codify that whole idea. Uh, that's one of the reasons why you're really introduced to Nicky Cat and and uh, this whole scene that's coming up with him and Del Sandro at the film shoot. Yeah. Uh, and and you he could imagine that they were there. And and by the way, one of the best scenes in the whole movie too. Yeah. When when it comes when it comes up. And people are like, why is Rosalind Orange so mean to him? Well, she probably knows the true story about him from Jenny. Oh, yeah. It, it comes up during their conversation. And what, I love what, how he what, frames uh, uh, Terrence Stamp and cigarette smoke. Even the fucking poster is Terrence Stamp framed in cigarette smoke. Yeah. Another another movie that I love that the main character smokes incessantly and with an abandon that, that is just wonderful. <laughs> Being a smoker, I can appreciate that. <laughs> well, he... I don't know why this movie... Re- this movie... I don't have to really... This is a movie I never had to champion because... Once people got to see it on DVD and stuff, this one automatically became, yeah, this was a great fucking movie. Well, I never really understood why it didn't really, like, like do well with the critics. I mean, some critics liked it, uh, but... Oh, and here is footage from Ken Loach's Poor Cow, which is sort of a sequel to. Well, that's a good... Okay, so we need to talk about that. So Soderbergh, when Len Dobb gave Soderbergh the script, it was a straightforward script. And, and it was Soderbergh that came up with the idea of it being a memory film. And he and, and Len Dobbs, and if you listen to the, the commentary, you'll get a lot of the back and forth how they argue. But one of the things said, if it's a memory film, Soderbergh said, then there has to be film of Terrence Stamp early in his career we can use. And he immediately thought of Poor Cow and got a copy of Poor Cow. And some of uh, his uh, his scenes in Poor Cow were deleted. And so he went to Ken Loach and said, do you have any more footage? And so a lot of what you're seeing here from Poor Cow is not in the original film that 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 Ken Loach had had uh, 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 negatives and had footage that he had not destroyed, and so it's a perfect example of this is the memory. So this is when he was very young and he met his wife, who was the mother of you know, and it all just works so well. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, this, but the dangerous thing about a Soderbergh experiment film is that you either get one extreme, the lie me, or the second extreme, Schizopolis, which came out and it's not that accurate. movie was a fucking failure. <laughs> Say the least. 
I love that line. Rock and roll is what we called it. They're admitting that rock and roll was dead in the night in the mid nineties, which it kind of was. Yep. And I love it. They're showing, uh, you know, Peter Fonda laughing with the young girl getting naked. That was Peter Fonda's actual reaction to seeing a girl young enough to be his granddaughter getting nude, wanting to have sex with him in the movie. He was embarrassed. Yeah, so we're at the same place now. I was having a little trouble there. Yeah. Oh, you fucking guys and your dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, yeah, we're we're right at the same place now. I was having some issues, so forgive me. I don't know how hard I ask him. <laughs> oh, God, look there in the back. On the other side of him, that's a poster for poor cow. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And I love... Oh, and what was Soderbergh's next big production after the Limey? Ocean's Eleven? No, his two-part film. Well, he he was supposed to film, but he never did get it started till later. His two-part film on Che Guevara. All right. I I love I love these scenes between Louise and, and Terrence Stamp. Love these scenes. <laughs> I Very love it. He's so, and Louis so scared, you know. <laughs> like, oh shit, what have I gotten? Oh, now, now we're at the party. This is wonderful. Yeah. Your <laughs> ballets. I love it how at the first of the scene, uh, Stamp is in control, but once he sees the whole valet thing, then Louis is in control because he's in his turn. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it that he's so out of his out of his death. When it comes to kicking yeah, ass, he's like fucking on. But when it comes to getting his car checked in and a valet parking garage, he's out of it, isn't he? Yeah, he doesn't know what's going on particularly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite fucking speech of the whole fucking movie. Yeah, I'm just a little behind you, so I know what you're getting, getting to, though. This speech sums up the 
comes up nostalgia in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> we all like the colors. That's nostalgia. Have you ever dreamed of a place that you wanted to exist but only exist in your imagination? Yep. Again, talking about memory. Even, yeah. even, uh, you find it. It's all about memory. Yeah. That was the 60s. Yep. Yeah, 66 and early 67. That's what most people forget who idolized the 60. By the time 68 rolling around, uh, Haight-Ashbury and the whole hippie experiments was fucking over. Or at least it was on its death now. You know, because a number of things happened in 68 and 69. To really kill yeah. the movement. Well, you remember the death of hippies. That's considered the end, and that was in 67, the middle of the summer. Yeah, but there were so many other things. Kent State and... and, and uh, it's uh, 60, The 68 Democratic uh, uh, um, conference, all of that was part of it. Yeah. Well, that's when they realized that we're going to fight. We're going to fight. Boom. Holy shit, they're shooting. Fuck this. Okay, right there. He sees a picture of Jenny, and then he thinks of when he was a kid. Then all through his mind. And by the way, didn't you have that in your your old apartment, Carl, that set of Kama, Kama Sutra statues? No. No, but this but actress. That's what they had on each other. There was yeah. like, uh, the first sign said, things that I want to do in bed. And it was those Kama Sutra statues, and on one, the first, every one of them said, no, no way in hell, not if I was paid, <laughs> no, hell no. But 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 this actress that that uh, is um, Peter Fonda's girlfriend, and she has a scene coming up here with uh, Terrence Stamp. Uh, she's very good in this, and I don't know her. I don't know her from hardly anything else. She's really good in this. Yeah. But really, that was a big book in that time, and really. You know what the Kama Sutra really read, led to? What? Chiropractic, chiropractor's visit. Because there's pretty much not <laughs> one thing in that damn book that wouldn't fuck your back up or your legs. Yep. And you notice that he hired girls be uh, Terry's girlfriend that all look pretty much the same. Oh, yeah. 
Now, see him in the background? Yeah, I know. I love that. Just him barely, just his face barely in the background. Yep. But he heard what the best way to get down the hill and up the hill. That comes into play. That'd be me. No, I wouldn't. This is really something. I don't care what Louis says. If I had enough money to afford a house like that, fuck you. I ain't. I wouldn't buy a house like that. No. I wouldn't either. <laughs> trust. I'd probably We're buy a I love how Terrence Stamp's face gets when he's focused, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Now, now we get into a lot of what he's fantasizing. So you wonder if this is real or not when you first time you see it. somebody put in the collector. Yeah. Uh the the post the collector. And that's back in sixty five. I mean this guy's been around and is still acting to this day in in, in two thousand twenty. And his first films were in the sixties. Billy Budd being the first one. I love the fact that Louis stops him. Jenny would want you alive. <laughs> Louis stops him. Yeah. It's very audible, but he says Jenny would want you alive. Yeah. And who's the only one that realizes that this guy's a fucking threat? Barry Newman. Newman. (laughs) Yep. And here's one of the best fight scenes that you don't see. Well, you and I disagree with this. Take a look at this now, how this sets up, because it is visible and it's meant to be visible. Well, this is HD. Right. High definition. I like it. Point it downhill. He knows it's about time. Yeah. See, look how blurry it is. That's what I'm talking about, and you're focused on there. That's what I mean by vanishing. Now, look at this, okay? Look at how this works. 
It is blurry, but you've got him right there where you can see him. And you and it's definitely set up so you can see it. Trust me, it's like us looking without glasses. We focus on yeah, what the... Yeah, it's blurry. I'm not disagreeing with that, but you can see it. Yeah, I'm talking about the first time you watched this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks. It's all about looks. I love Barry Newman is the one chasing him. That's just so not subtle a reference if you're a movie nerd. Yeah. Yeah. And he's imagining Jenny on his last night. Right. Now this is the one real action sequence in the whole film. You see background of her driving. Again, all through his mind. All through his memory. And I love that he picked a typical noir slash Late 60s chasing music. This music's like yeah. something out of Bullet in a Drowning Pool or Harper. Yeah. You know what this thing really proves? What? You don't fuck with Barry Newman. I want Barry Newman as my fucking lawyer. What about you? Yeah. Uh, no, I'll take care of Steph. I don't know. Someone would be able to not not afraid of bulldozers, carries around a damn shotgun. And who's this asshole running around with drinks? The cops are around and everything, and this asshole's carrying around a tray of drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> ah, people still want to drink, even though the cops are here. Yeah. Oh, he's pissed. Okay. You know that Peter Fonda isn't lying, don't you? 
No, he's not. You know why? Why? Because if you fuck with Terrence Stamp, it's pretty much suicide. Yeah. Well, if you fuck with Wilson, it's pretty much suicide. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree, sir? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, this is a great scene where, where Newman tells him about the dad, about Wilson. Because it exposes Terry as the put. This is the first thing where you get to see Terry as a pussy. Yep. Which joke are you talking about? He's not James Bond. Well, I'm a little behind you. Well, Terrence Stamp was up for the role of James Bond in Dr. No, but he turned it down. Yes. Yep, he did. Weren't the 90s a great period for Peter Fonda, too? He, didn't he finally win the Oscar for Uli's Gold? Yes, he did. I'm not saying it's the one he should have, but he got his uh, thanks for participating. Now, uh, hold on, hold on. I learned how to skate when I was a little boy. That's personal. Okay. Uh, there was an interview with Peter Fonda, who, and they asked him to, to explain that. And he said by his dad and his mom teaching him how to skate, he was able to get out of the house and escape. And that's where that line comes from. Yeah. For a one hour and 28 minute movie, there's so there's just too much to talk about. Now, here we have Nikki Cat and Joe D'Alessandro. Yeah. And why is and Joe D'Alessandro what kind of people the you are? Interesting that Joe D'Alessandro is, is the uh, uh, second in command here. Nikki Cat is an interesting actor, and I'm going to get to him in a second here. <laughs> but Nikki is is does really well here. <laughs> oh! And really, let's get into it again. Why is Joe D'Alessandro so important to the 60s? Uh, well, let's let's just say he was part of Andy Warhol's factory. He was the he was the first big movie star to come out of uh, 
the factory. With, exactly. With uh, Paul Morrissey's infamous trilogy, Trash, Heat. Mm-hmm. But Nikki Cat's been around. Uh, yeah. He had he had a recurring role on Boston Public. He was, he's in one of your favorite movies, Secondhand Lions. Uh, he's in Waking but Life, Rules of Engagement. You love it too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sin City. Uh, uh, but he's around, man. He's he was in Death Proof, Planet Terror. Yeah. Again, it's all about looks, man. Look at that look oh. that, that Nicky Cat gives gives Barry. Oh, you cannot out tough Barry Newman. <laughs> I love that. He said, "That's why I picked you. Gone. I can keep up. I have to keep up appearances. Who gives a shit about you?" Yeah. And again, that guy speaking on uh, the walkie-talkie. Okay, that's important. The yeah, black guy important. in the car with the talkie. You don't... You got to remember that. Yeah. See, and this is... They're showing a movie set. Right. This is a great scene for Nikki Cat. This is a great fucking scene. Him and Joe play great off each other. Mm-hmm. Joe really never did get the respect he deserved outside of uh, our circles. Oh, yeah. I agree. Would you watch a show called Big Fat Guy? Yep. (laughs) 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 You know that this Caps and stuff, the Alessandro stuff, most of it is improvised. Yeah, absolutely. And Lim Don has no problem with that. No. That's one of the best parts of the commentary. When he says the line, that's the smartest thing to come out of a woman's mouth, Einstein co- Einstein's cock. Dobbs yeah. goes, fuck, I wish I wrote that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, very true. Mm. That's a really good relationship between him and Leslie and Warren. Uh, yeah. It really is. And they're looking.
Here it comes. Remember the guy in the car? Yeah. There he is. Now, who are these I guys? I love how they don't say who they are, and you're like, oh, God, they're in so much trouble. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I love about this movie is how he turns everything on its head. Yeah, very much so. Nothing happens the way Not- you think it would. Okay, this is important, too, what happens here. Yeah, because he's not stupid either. Because we're coming up on one of my favorite scenes yeah. in the whole movie. And it has our number one most wanted guest of all time on this show. Please, please, if you—I don't know if you listen to it, but if anyone who knows him listens to it, please tell him we're back. He knows it's the DEA because he Yeah, I will walk on my knees. I would walk on my knees across glass to get this guy on the show. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm on the dole. Love that line. I watched her grow up in England. Again, we have all these shots of young Jenny are from poor Cal. Yeah. song, by the way. Freedom is a word that I never knew. You know, you know that's uh, that's from Donovan, did that song originally. Yeah. And you see all this shot where he's he's up uh, and going to be put in prison. Look at that face. 
And if you haven't watched much Ken Loach films, you need to. Absolutely. But again, here we have a film, and it's 90 minutes long. And, and, and it's noir, and yet most of it is conversation. And yet you are wrapped in this. And the reason you are, it's all memory. And so how yeah. is this all going to come together? Here we go. Okay, so they're at an airport, all sorts of planes. And he's there he is, Bows. And, uh, I'm a little back behind you, so give me a second here. Okay. This, this is just brilliant. Great speech. No, third time. Best line in the whole movie coming up right now.
Again, look at the editing of this. If you notice, it's in two different locations. Yeah. explanation here is these are rogue DEA agents who are not going through the proper channels. So everyone is a crook. Well, not rogue. It's just that they do the shit that we don't want to know about. Right. Well, what do you think rogue is? Yeah. I love that. Go with God. Right. Does that have anything to do with the late 60s or... uh... Yep. Maybe. What's his name? Peter Fonda? Okay. I don't have nothing to do with Peter Fonda, does it? Uh, yes, it does. Well, well, inform us. What does that have to do with uh, Peter Fonda? <laughs> it's called uh, uh, it, it's called uh, him and uh, Dennis Hopper. And Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Easy Rider. Absolutely. And about what I said about the 60s earlier, while they're talking about this, we'll bring up another thing. Uh, Robert Crumb said that by 68, the hippies that left takes Ashbury and the nerds are taking over. Mm-hmm. And if nerds mean I got to be like R. Crumb, Spain, uh, who else came out of that? Comic scene, underground comic scene. Oh, Bode. Bode. No, Bode was a little later, actually. Bode was just a couple years later. Yeah, but still, uh, if that means yeah. I'm a nerd, that I'm 
got that as people at my table. Hey, fuck it. Well, you know, the, the thing about it, too, is, is, you know, being older, I'm 62, but I don't consider myself a boomer. I didn't, uh, uh, you know, my generation is that small generation between uh, the boomer and Gen X called Jones. And so we experienced the 60s, but we couldn't really interact with it until we started coming of age in the 70s. Yeah, it's like that meme. So, that, yo, you know, what you're talking uh, about, the nerds, that's me. Yeah. That's the, you know, uh, that's my generation. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, like that joke, uh, Generation at Gen, uh, let's see, uh, the, the new, the young, bo- young, young ones, and the boomers fight with each other. And my and your generation are sitting around with beers or whatever beverage we want, going, kill each other, do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're okay with it. Yeah. But really, that's the big—that's the big problem. They try to put every generation, and he mentioned that in the speech, into big fucking chunks. When they really, there's not. It's small chunks. Mm-hmm. There's the mm-hmm. pre-Kennedy generation of the hippies. There's the post-Kennedys. And then after that, you got the pre-Woodstock ones, post-Kennedy, and the post-Woodstock Kent one. And then you got so the post to, to a bunch generation. of people. Hold on, Steve. I'm going to just change here. They're talking about okay. what a sliding scale is. So one of the things in this movie, too, it's very slight and slide references to the movie business and how it's fucked up. And that yeah. there, there, there's good humor in that, too. Yeah. Here you are back with uh, Nikki Cat. And then there's the people that weren't inspired by the hippie movement, but were inspired by the loneliness of the Ron Distance Runner, Ken Loach's film, uh, If. Oh, yeah. You know, when they remade fucking Superfly, Dicky Cats is who I would fucking cast as Priest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could see that in a heartbeat. He just got that mean, you know. Mm-hmm. But this is, to me, what I've seen him in, this is his most prominent role. And he just fucking kills it in this movie. Well, Soderbergh is pretty much a hands-off director. Yeah. And Nikki has worked with him three times now. Yeah. He's part of this uh, ensemble. Out of time, this. It's uh, amazing. He also funny was in that behind the candelabra. That you would think that. With all these big actors, Barry Newman, uh, da da da, uh, Fonda, that this was a well thought out, long put together project. No, this was pretty much pulled together as a quickie after he did 
out of sight. Right. It, the, the script had been around for a while, and he was familiar with it. And at that time, uh, Terrence Stamp was attached to it, so it was just getting the other actors and pulling it together. Well, Peter Fonda, all it took to get him was, hey, Terrence Stamp is going to be in it. I'm there. Yeah. They said the same thing with uh, Barry Newman. Yeah, Barry Newman. Again, another thing about this movie, it's about loss. And keep that in mind. It's not just loss of friends. It's loss of innocence. It's it's also about loss discovery of, of yourself. Yeah, loss of youth. That too. <laughs> Amen. There, there's the way to watch this fucking movie. Leslie Ann Warren has said it. Do you understand what the fuck? I don't understand half what the fuck this guy's saying. Oh. Yeah. But I know what it means. And that's how yeah. you look at this film. And I want that hammock. His God is look my witness. I want that hammock. Yeah, really. I would kill you to get that hammock. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it to you. You wouldn't have to tell me. I'd be afraid of the hammock. Not those big cushy ones like that that you can use as a seat. The problem is, is most mother fathers put them up too high. But yeah, I mean, I just love it. Yeah, and she's caught in the middle of this, too. Yeah, she's an innocent. He likes young and innocent. He's looking for his lost innocence. Right. Very much so. And that what's funny is Soderbergh said he had he got after uh, Peter Fonda. He's like, "This is a girl you're fucking. You're not supposed to be treating her like you're your daughter." <laughs> no, but he does, and it works. Yeah, it works. This is everything that we love about experimental film. But, you know, I mean, you keep saying experimental, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but that goes into the background as you get involved in this, because the way that it's put together, you can't help but be emotionally pulled into this. Yeah, well, even experimental film, if you just make it a whole collage of images, you get stuff like Piana Scotsy, and that's good if you're on drugs, but yeah, no. Yeah, but here, you talk about images, all of these, these, these images here. Yeah. Memory, looking out into space. 
remembering of conversation here. This is yeah. what I meant at the beginning with Russian montage, Soviet montage. And How most, this is all put together. Yeah. And what I mean by this, you have to have a story to latch it onto. If the story isn't great, it's to make you not give a fuck. Then the experiment the has failed. Too. What? I love the score to this. Yeah. Sadly, they never put out a score or a soundtrack CD. Nope. They never did. Now, that is a flash forward. You don't know that. But it is. So you're going and back there's and forth the times and that you hear all throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what the score is representing, those chimes. Uh-huh. I hate that when you get a candy bar and you get like a nasty nut or some shell in it and get that pissed off. Yep. And again, there's stuff happening on the vanishing point. Yep. Now that is more what you're talking about from the previous one. That is definitely vanishing point. And a child of George Clooney, by the way. Yeah, that's a me and you argument. Hey, 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 what the fuck you doing, man? What do you mean? You're putting empty shells? <laughs> yeah, really. Would you call this a 90s noir, an 80s noir, or a 70s noir? I do call it a 90s noir. But it's really a 60s noir. Yeah. Well, like the names I dropped, the late 60s, the Drowning Pool, Harper, and things like that. Where it had the noir darkness, but it didn't have the 70s bitterness. This isn't about bitterness, though. It really I'm isn't. talking film style, not about the movie itself. Yeah, okay. But bitterness is not is is, is inherent in the plot too. 
there's no bitterness in this movie. Like you said, this is a regret. Right, exactly. About memory and regret. So shit is about to ready to go down. Just keep that in mind. And in any other noir film or action-oriented film, Wilson would have killed that guy. Yeah. And I love it how, you know, they're actually doing the smart thing and not what most people would do. In oh, absolutely. Well, again, that's very new, and he's not stupid. And there's a callback to a very important scene. You guys are fucking nuts. I'm calling the cops. No. They killed the cat. You asshole. He deserves to die now. He killed the cat. Yeah. Killed the cat, Carl. I know. (laughs) No, he killed Superfly. Don't have to kill any motherfucking body. <laughs> God damn! I would just be—if I was Wilson, I'd just be sitting back with a drink and just waiting and enjoying the shit. Well, basically, that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, you know, shit. He ain't done anything he's yet. Me to work. Now, now it's Delisandro. But him is dead <laughs> And the girl Yeah And he runs like the cowardly little bitch that he is mm-hmm. Important By the way Here we oh, go don't fuck. And again even in he's dying You don't fuck with Barry Newman well, now I'm a little behind you, so I'm at this scene with with uh, with Wilson and, and 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 Peter Fonda. Well, that's where I am too. I just forgot to mention that even when he's dying, you don't fuck with uh, Barry Newman. Right.
Did you see Barry Newman? Fuck you! When he took the gun away. Yeah. And here we are near the end of the movie. It's almost over. I love that, the way that Wilson looked at Barry Newman while he died like he respected him. Yeah. So here you have the culmination of this whole movie. And what you expect and what happens are two completely different things. Okay, that's all Yeah, which they've already that. said earlier in the movie. Yeah, but you don't think so. Uh, I showed this once to my dad when I was out in Arizona to him and a friend that was visiting him. And his friend had yep. to go, and his friend just missed the last ten minutes. And later right. that night, he come to me, and he's like, "You still got?" He said, "Can I have that DVD of the Limey? Why? I want to see what happens." <laughs> yeah. Ooh. There's this thing with feet too. People get shot in the ankle. Look at this. He's not even. He didn't get shot in the ankle. He slipped on a rock and broke it. I know, but but previously people get shot. There's there's yeah. like three or four ankle things. Here we go. From the beginning. Do you feel sorry for Peter Fonda's character? Yeah. And take a look at his eyes right now. Terrence Stamp realizes he actually killed his daughter. Yeah. It was because of how she acted with him and everything that this happened. Yeah. This realization is amazing. Look at his eyes. And look at look at Peter Fonda and all that. And look, he just leaves him there. Look at those. Yeah, why did I do? Yeah. Remembrances of Jenny when he's young. All this is going through his mind. 
Oh, wow. And talk about the vanishing point again. Yeah. Now he's on a plane. Yep. And even his eyes and her eyes as they say goodbye. That's a line from Poor Cow. Mm-hmm. Out off on a poor oil rig. Yep. And there's your song again at the end. And that actually is him singing it. That is Terrence yeah. Stamp. Notice he's really not playing the guitar, by the way. But it doesn't matter. Fucking great. Back to the cigarette. I am so glad that we don't have to champion this film. We're just doing most of these films we do to either champion it or get people to remember. This one we did because we fucking wanted to. Well, this is one of my favorite films of all time. This is this is in my top ten films. I yeah. love this movie. I love this film. I love the idea it's about memory. And it's about Forgiveness, and particularly forgiveness of yourself, ultimately, uh, which is always a big thing with me. Um, out of all of Soderbergh's films, and he's done some really good ones that I really like, by far, this is his best as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and there's one scene that was cut from this movie that even Lim Doms agreed it was great to cut. And what was that? It was going to be, it was just uh, him in the hotel room turning on the TV, and it says, uh, Terry Levine found dead outside the sea today, blah, 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 you know. Right. And you really didn't need to 
Because if you notice, that's a big fucking stairway. And the tide comes yeah. up. And he's got a big fucking broken ankle. Do you think that he's going to be able to make it up that fucking <laughs> stairway no. before he, nope. you know? And she's actually there. So she can call the cops. And that. Yeah. Well, in Dobbs' script, uh, he gives her the car keys and tells her to go away. And she does. But she doesn't hear. That was yeah. one of the arguments between Dobbs and, and, and Soderbergh. Uh, by the way, you know, we talk about the, the, the song. This score is really a fine score. It's by Graham Rebel. And use of the rock songs is great too. I love how oh, he yeah. comes in the movie. They call me the seeker, real, you know, real badass, tough guy, bad motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves with, you know, there's something I don't enjoy. I really enjoy. By, by I the really way, I have to, I have to uh, make a uh, rectify here. It's Danny Saber who did the score. I'm sorry, I'm not Graham Rebel. Danny Saber. So. And special and thanks what? to Ken Loach. Yeah. And, I, like I said, I love how he goes in badass song and then leaves with a very sad song. Yeah. And that, of course, is, is, is what was discovered there. You know, you know, this is about discovery and finding out why and, and, and the things that you do, how they have long-term uh, uh, consequences. And because of how his daughter and him had interaction and she would call the cops on him, that's a joke. <laughs> that's what gets her killed. Yeah. And then it's his, and, and, and he realizes that he's responsible. Ultimately. Yeah. And I call it the noir trilogy. It's the underneath which... It's very good, and that's the one that really isn't talked about that much about all of these, and it's fucking great. Oh, absolutely. And then there's Out of Touch, which is the first, the second film in, well, the second part of the Elmore Leonard verse. Can you tell me what's the first part of it? Um, no, you tell me. Jackie Brown. Oh, yeah, Jackie Brown, okay. Because, well, it's because Elmore Leonard wrote both, and plus it has Ray Sisko, Ray, mm-hmm. the FBI agent, and Karen Sisko crossed over with, got her own show, and then Karen Sisko, the character, was also in Justified. Right. So, and if you're we're making... If what? we're making uh, th- uh, connections for that, I have another connection. What? Len Dobbs wrote the script to this. Yeah. He also wrote the script to another film in 1999, which is a very fine movie. Do you know what that movie is? What? I'll give you a hint. It was Roger Ebert's Best of 1999. Just tell me. Dark City. Oh, Dark City, yeah. 
that's what I so liked he about the night. Two of the best scripts of 1999. Yeah. That's why I fucking hate the term neo noir. I would call it time centric noirs, like the 40s noirs took place in the 40s, dealt with 40s concerns. The 70s noirs were very 70s. Yes. The, the 90s were good. To, the 90s, the best decade for noirs for me is the 40s, the original decade for noir, 70s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And we don't even, we're not even talking about people like John Dahl and, and, and some of the people that really did some of the best work in the 90s. Yeah. Stephen Frears. Yeah. Frears to the Hit is a wonderful film. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, we're not even talking about British films. British films. Well, The Hit is a British film, you jackass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but the long, long Good Friday, you know, okay, so many yeah. great long British Good Friday. Films. You know, if you no. go back to the 70s, Get Carter. Limey is the first film to cross the American noir with the British noir. And one of the reasons with that is because of who was cast. You know, they cast Terrence Stamp, and they figured that since this was going to be in LA, they needed some. They needed American people that would reflect the '60s and early '70s, and that's exactly why they got Barry Newman, why they got Peter Fonda, and uh, why they got Joe D'Alessandro. Yeah. There would only be one other person I could see casting as the Limey, and that would be. Person, the guy that I consider the father of British noir, and that'd be Michael Caine. That would be the other choice. That would be the other choice. Uh, nothing against Michael Caine because he did Harry Brown, he did a number of of, of, of films, uh, and of course, Kate Carter. But to me, Terrence Stamp works for this. Terrence Stamp works for this because of his eyes. This movie, you know how we talk about Miller's Crossing is a movie about hats? Yeah. This is a movie about eyes. It's all and in the eyes. And I put something else to you that you didn't think about. Poor Cal what? was the street level British noir. Yeah. I can't even get Carter was the professional level, you know. Mm-hmm. Mob. Right. And Wilson's a street level guy, always. That's why he's so bumbling. Street level guys. I mean, one of my favorite, and we'll be talking about this next week. Uh, uh, actually, this week, uh, tomorrow, with uh, Dan Kramer, is one of my favorite street level movies from the seventies. Is the Nickel Ride. And I love. Yeah, that's the one thing one about seventies noir that really stamps it out. Is that. The 70s really dealt with the street-level guys. Well, there were, don't, don't think that The Godfather was about street-level. Okay, I don't consider that's the Godfather one. noir. That's just a mafia film. I'm considering but, noir but, but like Nickel Rise. Hell, even Elliot mean, Gould in The Long Goodbye is a street-level guy. 
Yeah, and so so is uh, so is Mean Streets. Yeah, now, those Mean are street Street-level guys. Taxi drivers. Night moves. Yeah. Yeah, night moves. Oh God, fucking love that movie. Seriously, love that film. But yeah, I mean, the 90s were just about some darkness. It's like, what's his name who wrote The Killer Inside of Me? Uh, uh, Jim Thompson. Yeah, you couldn't do a Jim Thompson noir in the 70s. They tried. (laughs) They They did one. Yeah, it didn't work. But in the 90s, they were like, you mean this guy's a dark motherfucker with da-da-da? Okay, fuck it. We'll make the grifters. We'll make the world into fireworks. Yeah, we'll take Jim Thompson. We'll do After Dark, My Sweet. That's one that I promise you, if it ever comes up for us to get to watch good copy, that's one we will do a commentary on because that is one of my underseen gems of the 90s. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. And since, and since we are re-recording this because last week I was sick, I'm still not 200%, but yeah. Today, tomorrow we'll be doing underseen films of the 70s. And knowing the way we talk, me and Carl had to dig up a pit and then dig under that pit. And then we dug under that pit, and then we got deeper. That's how deep we really tried to go for this. And we got so deep that our guest tomorrow is filmmaker, uh, author, and film commentator Daniel Kramer, who uh, absolutely, the 70s is, is, like me, is his decade. And, And he has picked up stuff that even I don't fucking know. Seriously. And when I don't know a film from the 70s, it's obscure. So you're going to be listening to some really, really interesting selections from the 70s. And since this is the week of the 500th episode, I've loved all your 70s shows and stuff. Oh, yeah. Now that oh, that now was I mean, a, a labor of love for me. Someone as a film fan. Mm-hmm. Go back and yeah, that was the labor of love. Carl seventies, all of his seventies episodes. That right there pretty much could be a comprehensive book on his view of the seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, and nowadays I would put more in there because between between. Uh, uh, Daniel, who who uh, is a good friend and, and and has turned me on to a lot of stuff, so is Don DeBell, uh, uh, and they have a really good uh, uh, Facebook uh, page on the seventies of stuff that I'm not even that familiar with. So you know, there's lots of stuff out there. That was one of the things about the seventies; such a treasure trove. And, and even though we well, did it, the thing is, is to think that you're so arrogant that you can sit down and say, I've seen it all. No, you haven't. No, not even close. Not even close. I not would even say close. that I've probably seen about raising up the bar about 12 to 15 percent 
of what I've wanted to see in this life. <laughs> yeah, probably. What would you say your percentage is, just thinking? Well, well, I, I would say of the things I want to see, Yeah. I'd go a little higher than that, probably 30 to 40. Uh, uh, but that still gives me 60% of what I, I, I still want to see, uh, plus all, all the stuff that's put out that I definitely don't know I want to see until it's out there. Or but unlike you, I'm not going to watch everything. <laughs> okay, oh, I am God. not watching, you know, The Sinful Dwarf. Fuck you, you know, and things like that. But, but yeah, well, I mean, it I'll, isn't I'll, that. It's just that I've seen people like, can you recommend a new movie? I've seen it all. And I'm and me, I had to fight to keep going, bullshit, you can't. There's no one who's seen it all. There's no way. Yeah. And I mean, just take a look at the 70s. If you just take a look at that decade, there is no way you can see every movie from the 70s. None. Well, Not going to happen. 68 to 72. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, hell, 1984. Just that one year that we covered. Yeah, and we only covered like maybe two-thirds of it. And we haven't mm-hmm. seen everything that came out in 1984. There's no way. Not going to yeah. happen. We're not even talking about foreign films that came out in 84. Yeah. You know, seriously. So there you go. So what else do we have going on, Steve? What's going uh, on this week? Well, anatomy, we will have Anatomy of a Murder Dumb before the end of the month, but Thursday we're going to complement our 1984 episode by doing Carl's favorite movie of 1984, Paris, Texas. Why? Because I know that he is he he has to do this. Yeah, seriously, I do. And plus, it's the I only. Do. Mo- it's the, well, now because of Lucky, it's the second movie. The star Harry Dean Stanton. Right. Yep. And why he wasn't and, up for an Academy Award, I'll never fucking know. Never mind. And what are you guys seriously. doing on Friday? On Friday, we uh, Adam is going to be on DLN, and we will be doing uh, uh, spinoff, your favorite spinoff shows from from TV sitcoms and TV dramas. Okay, here. So that's what, and I would have to say my favorite mass spinoff would probably be uh, Trapper John, MD. Well, certainly not aftermath, or like I like to call it afterbirth. I I wouldn't think that it would be that one. But well, yeah, Trapper John. A, yeah, Trapper John. That was. I don't know why the hell aftermath is. I mean, there's shows that go on too long, and Mash was it. One mm-hmm. of them. Agreed. But yeah. And Saturday, Agreed. me and Fred are going to be doing The Giving of America. Yeah, yeah you're, you're welcome to do that one. Surpri- 
Yeah, and Sunday, 500, we got a surprise guest who, like I told Carl last night, he's locked in. And he is definitely locked in? Yeah. Yeah, Good. he's definitely locked in. And, brother, can you spare a dime? Uh, Yeah, I can in this case. Yeah, okay. Because if you don't, the beast within might come out and uh, might become a mad dog. And Morgan, uh, yeah, and then and then if he becomes run. a mad dog, he'll probably take you to church for communion. Yeah. Is there hints going on? I don't know. Wait till see. Wait no, till of Sunday. course there is. Yeah. Of course and, there is. And Saturday is the Killing of America, which is so good a movie. Yeah, not a movie I want to do. So I'm glad you and Fred are doing that. I understand. It's the best of the shockumentary films because it has a point, a real point. Agreed. That much I'll agree with you. Yeah. And it was the only film that Leonard Schrader ever did by himself. And uh, that's an interesting story as is. But yeah, the rest of the month is going to be. well, we're going to redo Anatomy of a Murder, so don't worry about the KSBAD late night movie. Then we're going to do be doing Paris, Texas, and then then next week, Phase Four. Yeah, it might be the week after. We have to. I'm trying to nail down somebody for that, uh, but it will either you. be next Thursday. No, uh, or next Thursday the Thursday will after. be paid for if you get them or not, because we're ending the 500th month at cel- month celebration with one of the greatest sci-fi horror films okay. ever made. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Gotcha. Seconds. God, I love that movie. Yeah, it seems like, you know, I mean, considering we're at the restaurant, you know, I'm surprised people don't order more seconds of cheese. Well, they do. Ah, there you go. That's why we make so much money at this. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. That's one, and that's, well, on this final week, I'm only giving advice. If you get into podcasting expecting to be famous, yeah, not going to do it. But if you expect to have fun and meet a lot of cool people, and some of them are our friends, much love to the best, our best friend of the guests. We love you, oh, yeah. Miss Jeannie, and we love your dogs, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just just have fun. That's That's what most people like. How can I do this seriously? You don't. You just have fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've had some I great guests over the years. And... I recommend you be enjoy yourself by the spinners because that's just it. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Because if you don't enjoy yourself, then why do it? Exactly. Exactly. All right, Stephen. Thank you so much for for helping out today, and and I hope that everybody enjoyed the movie. Yeah, and if you I don't, certainly did. 
If you don't get the fuck out, we don't want you listening to us. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're kidding. Absolutely. We'll keep you no matter what. We're sluts for hits. <laughs> oh, God, am I a slut. <laughs> Never mind. All righty, people. Well, again, thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you for listening, folks. And we'll folks. see you tomorrow night back here at Carl's Corner for 70s Obscurus Peculis. Yep, I know that's absolutely. Not the title. I just like the way it just sounds. It just sounds yep. good. And, and with our, our special guest, Daniel Kramer. So we'll, we'll do yeah, that Daniel right Kramer, away. filmmaker, film lover, film watcher. And author and film commentary person. He's done several commentaries now, too. So, so I'm very pleased to have him person. on. No, he's a film yeah. historian. That's what they label you as nowadays. Historian. Well, whatever. I think Dad yeah, would be fine with any of those. Hey, we're historians too, because historian is a fancy term we use to make ourselves feel feel bigger than we are. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like the film oh. nerd version of the magnifying glass that you would get to look at your pee pee to make it look bigger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Hey, it's a running joke on this show. Okay, fair enough. Okay, well, I think we need to go because I need to go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. See you Literally, later, I need to go. Yeah. See you later, guys. Okay. Good night, everyone. Thank you for being Bye. here. Bye.